Hi, I'm Maria Eves and welcome to the She Shoots Landscapes podcast where you can follow along on my journey as a landscape photographer and get in the heads of other amazing landscape photographers here in New Zealand and around the world. Hello and welcome to the She Shoots Landscapes podcast. Today I've got Lucy Cooper with me who is a woman of many talents, but um, also an amazing landscape photographer. I've been um, looking at um, a lot of your photos online and being very inspired by the way you create um, beautiful landscapes in the moment. I feel very real and fun and creative. Yeah, so welcome. Oh, that's lovely feedback. Thank you. Thank you. What a lovely introduction. I don't get many of those. That's nice. Oh, good. <laughs> so um, you, as I said, you're a woman of many talents. You know, you, you came from the UK, right? And you've done a lot of different jobs and got a lot of different interests. So maybe you could just give us a brief description. <laughs> a potted history. Yeah, sure. So I came to New Zealand in uh, 2007. Um, we think. Uh, honestly, I've been here that long now, it feels I can't actually remember when I arrived. Um, and, <laughs> and we travelled uh, for the first about a year, I think, uh, me and my husband, he wasn't my husband then, um, but he soon became it. And uh, I, I am a resource management planner by profession. So back in the UK, I was called a town planner. And then when I got here, um, uh, I realised that I was going to be called a resource management planner. And uh, I quickly found work because the planning system is so bananas um, in New Zealand, but also elsewhere in the world that there's always plenty of work. But um, I actually picked up uh, my camera um, again after like, I mean, I remember taking photographs when I was very young and weirdly the cupboard under the stairs at home in the house I grew up in had a lot of old cameras in it, like old box brownies. And I mean, I seem to remember a lot of cameras, you know, I know that memory can be unreliable. So it's probably like two, but um, I do remember taking photographs when I was very young and being quite interested. Um, and then and then I picked up the camera again when my first daughter was born. So she's 13. I bought, um, I spent proper money, $1,000 on a Sony Alpha A1. So it was their first DSLR. And it came in a gorgeous box and it came with, you know, the standard lens. Actually, it came with two kit lenses. It came with a zoom lens, which is just still fabulous. I mean, I still use the camera today. And then it came with like a I don't know, you know, the kind of broad, wide angle, zoomy thing. I'm not very good on technical terms, by the way. You'll soon discover that. And so um, I've still got some of <laughs> I'm hopeless. Um, I still, I still, uh, I remember taking photographs of my daughter. I've still got those photographs. And then really from that point on, I just, I kind of fell in and out of love with my, with my camera. And then obviously smartphones became a lot better. And but a real turning point for me uh, was a friend of mine. Her name is Emma McCleary. She is um, a very talented uh, crafter and maker of things and also a comms person. But she had been looking at my stuff on Instagram all these years ago and then gifted me a free iPhone photography course. Awesome. And 
it was a game changer. That really was, yeah, it was the thing that turned my photography around. And you can, you can, I can actually see, I don't know if anybody else can, but when I look at my Instagram photos, I can see before the course and after the course, because suddenly I understood what the rule of thirds was. I understood about composition. I mean, I understood. I'd been introduced to these concepts. I didn't say, I can't say I understood. And it really was a game changer. And suddenly I was back in love with my big camera and yeah. And then it just went from there really. And I, I, I mean, generally speaking, my camera has never been far from me from that time on. Right. Cool. So you do a lot of um, different kinds of um, photography, um, but your landscape photography, explain to me kind of um, what you love about landscape photography. Well, the really weird thing, Maria, is that I don't, it wasn't until you asked me to be part of this wonderful podcast of yours that I actually thought of myself as being a landscape photographer because, um, so that, that that's really interesting itself. And I've been thinking about this since you asked me on, um, I guess, I guess if I, I live in, I live in quite a rural area and if I've always got my camera on me, the most likely thing I'm going to see in a rural area is landscape. <laughs> so yeah, it's more right. that landscape <laughs> is the most frequent subject in front of me. Yeah. And, and because I think if I lived in a city, I would totally be all about the street photography right. and the people. Yeah. So I think my landscape, yeah, landscape for me is a, is a consequence of where I live as opposed to something that I have deliberately driven myself towards. I think one of my principles and is that I is that I'm really interested in constraints. So whether that be where you are, like you might be somewhere really unprepossessing, that in itself is a constraint. Like, you know, there are ugly bits of the natural world generally because of what human beings have done mm. to them. Mm. And so that's a constraint or constraints around gear. So like if I was a millionaire, I'd have all the gear in the world, but I don't think I'd be a better photographer for that. So I, what I've tried to do is to, instead of spending the children's lunch money on gear, um, I have instead tried to make the most of the constraints of my gear. So that really led me down the experimental path. So I, I can take images in focus. <laughs> I do know, I do know what aperture to use to, um, to do that. Um, but generally speaking, I like to really sort of bend, bend the camera to my will by throwing it around, swirling myself around, playing with the settings. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I really don't, you know, and often the images that come out the other end of the camera are, a lot of them are accidental. And then if I like what I've achieved by accident, I will then try to remember what I did so I can create that more deliberately. Um, but really what I'm interested in when I'm doing all that stuff is trying to capture how the landscape feels to me at that time. 
So it's not necessarily what I can see. What I'm trying to do is how does it feel? Um, and one of the things that really surprises me about New Zealand photography uh, or New Zealand landscapes rather is other colours, the colour palette. The greens in New Zealand, Aotearoa greens and blues are unique. I think we can safely say they're unique. I haven't seen greens and blues like that, like this, anywhere else in the world. I haven't travelled very widely, by the way, but there's something about the light here. So when I'm when I'm when I'm taking um, these images, what I'm trying to do is uh, capture how the colours feel to me, and so that will that, and I can best achieve that. I've found through long exposure and intentional movement of the camera. That really does seem to draw out the greenness of the greens, the blueness of the blues, the oranges, and all those incredible colours that you kind of know are there and you can see them, but you can't sometimes, the only way I can really feel them is when I, is when I warp that image beyond, you know, what you would expect from a traditional landscape photograph. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's so interesting to hear a different perspective just because having grown up in New Zealand, I don't think I probably don't see uh, the colors the same way you do because I'm just used to it. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess I still see it, yeah. but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think, I think sometimes you have to go away from your place in order to appreciate your place. But interestingly, when I go to the UK, when I go back to the UK, I don't take the images. I oh, Well, I, I don't think I've taken landscapes like I do here. I don't feel maybe because I don't know, maybe because I'm not trying to distill the essence of the UK landscape because I've grown up with it. I don't know. In a way, I do think that my landscape photography, for me personally, is a way of understanding where I live. It really does feel like that. And uh, I sometimes think that it sounds a bit poncy, but it really does feel like that to me. When I look at these images, I think, wow. Because also, you know, the New Zealand landscape um, and what it means and the history that it carries. It's not straightforward. Uh, as a European, I'm really conscious of the fact that I am part of one side of the Treaty of Waitangi that, you know, my ancestors have not done right by this land. And I do, I do have a sense of, I don't know whether it's responsibility around that, but I have a sense a sense of that and I and and so sometimes taking a straightforward landscape photograph in New Zealand doesn't feel quite right and actually interesting story I once did take a, a straightforward landscape photograph and I put it on Instagram I used to travel from uh, Greytown where I live to Martinborough where I used to work uh, early in the morning I like to get a head start on the day and the gorgeous um, landscapes on the way of the hills and there was fog and mist there was the light you know it was all going on and I took this kind of when I edited it it was kind of long and slim um, landscape image and a friend of mine commented and he said isn't it sad to think that those hills would have once been covered in uh, native trees and, yeah. and I I thought 
and he, he was really pained by the image. And I, I didn't have a sense of pain until he said that, but he was absolutely right. Like when you take an image, you do have a, you know, it, it's not just an image. There's, for many of your viewers and for you yourself, it will have meaning that goes both in front and, after, and before that moment in time. And so I think maybe I, I don't feel always very comfortable just taking pure landscape photographs because of that sense of what we've done to it and the history that is embodied in that image. Yeah, I totally get what you mean. I mean, I'm very conscious of what we've done to the planet as well. and I'm trying to do my best to uh, not damage the planet and encourage others to, uh, you know, try and look after our planet as well. I guess um, I'm trying to show my photos kind of the beauty of the landscape. It's uh, interesting to just... It's a, it's a way to tell us the story. Yes, absolutely. And and I think, I don't know about you, Maria, but I, when people say, you know, like you hear famous photographers and photographers I admire who talk about the fact that, you know, a, an image has to tell a story. I don't know about you. I really, I, I, I don't know. I find that a really, I, I can tell a story verbally. I can tell a story. I do audio stories as well I'm just training to be a journalist currently as well and so I can tell a story in that way but when it comes to telling a story with a when it comes to telling a story with an image I'm never quite sure if I've cracked it I've no ne I'm never quite sure if I'm doing it I'm never quite sure if um I've nailed it do you ever feel like that <laughs> totally like <laughs> Uh, when I started doing photography and I studied photography, it was all like, you have to have a story, there has to be a meaning behind the photo. And I was kind of like, what? I just want to take pretty pictures pretty much. But I think I'm learning now to, I think, I think sometimes if you incorporate a story into your photo, um, even if it may not be obvious, I think if I'm thinking that way, then sometimes it makes the photo better, especially if, especially if judges are looking at it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah I think you're right it's that concept of intention isn't it when you're taking an image what is your intention and it's funny I might go out with my camera so I, I I've documented the river um that I walk with with my dog um I, I go there nearly every day I'd say and um and I might start with just taking random shots almost to kind of warm up the muscles warm up my eye warm up my kind of connection with the landscape in that moment and those images won't be won't be very good but then gradually I get closer to trying to tell the story of that moment but it, mm. it's still a really interesting concept and it's one that I grapple yeah. with um on a daily basis uh when I'm when I've got my camera with me what what is a story in an image? I mean, I know it when I see it from other photographers. I know it when I look at particular, you know, famous war photographers or, um, mm. you know, other, uh, you know, uh, do we just, um, we just had a, a, in journalism school, we just had a look at um, 
uh, Kappa, Robert Kappa. Uh, he was a famous um, photographer. Yeah, incredible. And, you know, you look at those images and you go, oh, my God, now there's a story. There's a story that you've got the anguish, you've got the um, you've got that moment in time, you've got that sense of precariousness and pain and emotion or joy or strength or power or whatever it is he's, he's managed to capture. Um, but when it comes to landscape photography, I'm never quite sure if I've nailed telling an actual story. So, I'm, I mean, that's something I'll probably always grapple with. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting when you go and listen to the judging of the landscape um, category in awards and you hear um, the judges' interpretations of what they think the story of the landscape um, photos are. I find it really interesting <laughs> what they come up with. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing about that, Maria, is that um, the difference in opinion, um, which uh, amongst judges, when you're you're having your your shots um, examined like that, and that's a really interesting um, process and quite uh, reassuring in a way, because it's obvious that this concept of telling a story through an image is a very subjective process, and not everybody will agree that on the story or that you've managed to capture the story with with the appropriate amount of power or emotion or whatever so um mm. you know i i always find that quite uh yeah quite reassuring the whole judging process i mean it's terribly nerve-wracking and i don't <laughs> think I'm, I'm quite a confident person these days and i my heart doesn't beat very fast very often anymore but when it comes to having your images judged, oh my god, I think I'm going to have a coronary. It's the, yes, the most painful process. And do you ever have that thing, Maria, where your your images come up? Because now, um, certainly for the Iris Awards, the the judging mm. can, is being done online, so you can follow it on YouTube. But do you ever yeah. get that thing where your image comes up and you don't recognise it? Oh no, I haven't had that. <laughs> my heart just immediately starts beating faster. <laughs> That's so funny you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've had this thing where it's it's so weird, eh? Yeah, so I'll be looking at it and thinking, God, I that's an that's an interesting image. Oh shit, it's mine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Um uh, talking about telling a story, you were saying before it's interesting <laughs> on Instagram how you can see, you know, um the progress and the development of your style and uh you know on instagram isn't it fascinating you can you can just go back on your instagram page or whatever and you're like ah oh, wow look at the um the you know you might have changed your style or you know just been playing around it's kind of like a diary in a way of um your photography isn't it Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think that's one of the saving graces of Instagram is that it is a diary. Um, you know, there are all sorts of unpleasant things happening on these social media platforms. But I think it's really interesting. The other thing that I find really interesting is that you'll um, you'll go back over your images and you'll think and you'll see an image that you really like or th that you've done or one that, you know, in your memory and in your heart represented a bit of a shift in style or technique or a mm. leap in learning and it's always either 
more recent than you remember or further back than you remember. Like your me our memories are so unreliable. And, and I think that's the lovely thing about photography is that it does, yeah, it does, photography does capture, does capture a moment in time that, you know, and the date stamp on that image can't be argued with. So it is something to kind of hinge your life around when, you know, everything else is kind of, you know, going tits up, you know, you, you can look back and go, oh, that did happen on that day. I did take that image on that day. <laughs> Oh, yeah, what I love about your images is what you were saying before is how, you know, you just love to cre recreate that moment, what you're feeling in the moment, and they just feel so fun, and you can tell that from just looking at them, and sometimes I feel like um, we can get, try to be perfectionists as photographers and think, oh, is someone else going to like this photo, is this going to win an award, or, you know, it feels like sometimes there's pressure to take a photo that everyone else is going to like. But I love that you just try to have fun and capture the feeling of um, the moment. And I read on your Facebook that says, um, creating images for myself and others gives me immense joy and pleasure. I just love that you can feel that in your photos. That's a that's a really lovely reflection. Um, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And it's interesting that I have kind of flip flopped between, um, you know, thinking that I wanted to take images as a, you know, like a, as a profession, as you were doing with a business. Mm. Um, but actually, um, I, I'm, I, I haven't got that. I haven't got that discipline. I really don't. I, and so increasingly, I, I'd say of that sentence in my Instagram and Facebook bio, I probably love taking pictures, give it, taking pictures for myself gives me a more immense pleasure than taking pictures for other people because I can't cope with the nerves of, of taking pictures for other people. <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, I, I have settled more into a pattern of just taking images for myself and if other people enjoy them, that's that's good but it's very much a therapy for me as well I've um, mm. 2022 was a really tough year personally um, and 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 often I think that when I would take images down by the river which is you know where I was photographing most during 2022 um, often I was squeezing joy out of the landscape that I wasn't feeling anywhere else and that I found very therapeutic and and very um, meditative because um and it was it was one place where i could find some order and find some maybe not order's the word but find something that i was creating that with that wasn't always going a little bit wrong <laughs> and if it didn't go a little bit wrong it didn't matter because it was just an image you know or it was it was <laughs> yeah it was so uh, you know increasingly for me uh, photography and particularly maybe landscape photography is more of a therapy than anything else yeah I feel like for me it definitely started out as an ama amazing therapy I mean I was an air force photographer but just taking myself away from everything and going to the beach or something and taking landscape photos by myself was great therapy but I think now I kind of feel a pressure to take more photos and take better photos and take photos people will like because I'm 
you know, doing it full time now. Um, and I kind of have to remind myself that I need to just keep doing it for myself um, because that's when I get my best photos as well and there's no pressure. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, you've come from that discipline of taking photos for an organisation that would have had, you know, quite, I, I'm, I'm guessing here, I, I guess I put the question back to you, you know, probably had quite um, uh, definite outcomes that they wanted you mm. to achieve through the lens. And then, you know, being, yeah, being able to, um, to retreat from that and find your joy, find your spark, find your reason for picking up the camera. Because there's, you know, it's like any, it's like any activity that we do that we enjoy. It has a deeper purpose for us on a kind of DNA level. It brings us something that other things mm -hmm. don't bring. And uh, okay. yeah, I mean, what was that experience like for you being an Air Force photographer? Uh, I loved that job because I got to go so many cool places and take amazing photos and meet cool people. But at the end of the day, you're right. It was very much um, like there wasn't a lot of creativity in it. I guess it's kind of like um, you're really just reporting on, on things that are happening and they have to, it has to be quite accurate and there's not always room for creative freedom um or you know to put your own to put much of your own input into it unless it's a setup shoot for a magazine or something then uh, you can get quite creative but um i feel like i wasn't able to maybe express myself that much um as an air force photographer which actually didn't bother me i enjoyed uh the experiences i had but um yeah, it was very much kind of documentary photography a lot of the time, which was fine. It's just different kind of photography. Yes. Yeah. And I guess, you know, thinking there's something about I love documentary photography. And if, uh, you know, I often go out around Masterton trying to find things I can document and I really struggle. I think I just lack imagination. But, um, you know, where you've got... Uh, you know, environments in which, <laughs> when you've got environments in which people are busy and active and have, uh, you know, are, are working towards something and, you know, you're looking for a way to tell that story. I think for me, the concept of, t just going back to the idea of telling a story, telling a story through documentary photography seems much more possible. But also, you know, those moments where you find a hidden story, you know, the hidden story that you don't see initially and those wonderful happy accidents where you've taken an image and you, of what you thought you were taking and then you look at it and you think, oh, my gosh, I've just got something else in here, you know, which yes. is more powerful than the thing I thought I was doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you're so right. It's a lot easier to tell a story um, in a documentary-style photo than a landscape photo. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that, um, I talked to Jason Blair, um, and yes. I think you know him. He's um, a lovely person, and he's a great mm -hmm. landscape photographer. And I chatted to him once about um, putting people in landscapes, 
um, you know, I think, and I think if I'm remembering rightly, he transitioned from taking um, landscape photo photographs without people in them and then started to put people in um, or finding the people in the landscape in order to tell a story of scale and also that person's location and journey and emotion in that landscape. And that's interesting. You know, once you start getting people in landscapes, um, you know, what that does to a landscape photograph is it documentary you know does it you know that transition across or that blend of landscape and and documentary because that's the other thing marie i was just i i sometimes i i struggle being i struggle with terms like you know when when we kind of categorize photography sometimes mm. i wonder whether that helps us very much you know, True. does it yeah. kind of put people into a box? Does it make people think that they have to be producing one type of photograph? I don't know. What do you think about that? <laughs> I guess it depends. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't cla classify you as like a lens, just a landscape photographer. But I, like you've kind of already described, you kind of just capture whatever moment you're in. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe... I mean, personally, I just prefer to take landscape photos. So now I call myself a landscape photographer. I'm not that excited about going out and taking photos of people. I did that for a long time, but it doesn't really excite me. Uh, and I don't. it doesn't excite me to kind of walk down the street and find stories to, you know, do documentary photography about. So I just kind of gravitate. Personally, I just gravitate to landscape photography because that's kind of what makes me happy. Um, but I, I guess you don't have to be in one category. Um, you can be everything <laughs> if you want to be. I kind of was as an Air Force photographer. I was everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think maybe when it comes to awards, you know, when you kind of put your images in um, for the Iris Awards, for example, trying to work out what category to put things in, yes. I think that takes as long as it does to edit and pay the money and fill out the form <laughs> working out the, the category to pop it in <laughs> yeah I guess, I guess you know there's a lot of crossover too because there's um oh i don't, can't remember the exact name but isn't it like ad, advertising an editorial or something like almost anything could fall into that category yes um, you know, like you say if you've got a person in the landscape it could be yeah. portrait or it could be landscape or <laughs> you're so right yeah, there's so many different categories that sometimes cross over or overlap. Yeah, that's right. And and it's interesting. I've had a few images in Iris before where they've questioned my category choice. And I find that interesting mm -hmm. because it yeah. does, it, if, if a judge is looking at an image and says, well, you've put it in landscape, but really it should be documentary. And so they're looking at it in a completely different way. They're looking for a different story or they found a different mm -hmm. story or they can't see the story at all. That, so that's that's a really interesting part of the process. And so being intentional the whole way through, sometimes that's hard when, uh, you know, the categories don't kind of fit with your intention at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true. Um, so you've got, you mentioned before you've got a podcast of your own. It's called Burst Mode, right? Yes. Yeah, and have you been enjoying um, talking to all the different yes, photographers? Um, 
Oh, it was a it was a really neat experience. So um, it took about a year. It took a lot longer for me to put it together than I had intended. But um, mm. I had I had to kind of do paid work in between. But it was a great experience. I, I've been doing audio um, stories for about thirteen years, about the same time as though I've been doing photography, actually. Um, and uh, so I I and I have a radio show uh, with my best friend um that goes out monthly but I've always tried to find interesting people to talk to or encourage people to see the interesting thing that they you know that they are interesting that's another really interesting (laughs) I really enjoy trying to do that um but (laughs) photographers um um you know they are they are they they tend to know that they're interesting not in a big-headed way but they you know a photographer talking to another photographer seemed like a perfect way of me being able to um use equipment and a method of storytelling I really like but talk to people um whose work I really enjoy so it was a really neat blend Mm -hmm. between my love of audio storytelling and photography and it was great. I gave myself some quite specific constraints because the intention there was that um, uh, it would, wouldn't take long for either me or the subject to do the process of recording the interview because right. editing for me can take some time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and actually, it did take me a long time to do the editing because it always does. But it was great. It, I felt really proud of the product. Um, the wonderful Esther Bunning, who I'm so lucky to live in a town chock full of great photographers. Esther Bunning's down the road. Rebecca Kempton's up the road. Uh, just heaps of uh, wonderful, mainly women, got to say. But Esther Bunning did the... Um, did the photography for the website and for all the promotional material. So that was a blast. That was really fun. And I've got some got some of the the best images of me I think I will ever have taken. I just she managed awesome. to capture how I felt about the project, how I generally feel about life. Um and yeah, the whole thing I'm I am really proud of it. I am I am I think it's something that uh, I will return to and go, you know, I did that. I set myself a task. Yeah. yeah I wanted to produce 10, 10 episodes. I produced 10 episodes. I did all the promotion. Um, I had some help from NZIPP. They supported the project, but generally it, I drove the whole thing with Esther's help and Rebecca's help um, finding me some subjects to talk to. So yeah, I, it, that was a bit of a highlight um, if, of the COVID years. <laughs> Yeah, I've had a listen. And I haven't listened to all your episodes yet, but I've listened to a few of them, and I especially love the interview with um, Janine Fletcher because, um, obviously, you know she's an amazing landscape photographer. Um, but I feel like maybe sometimes she's a little reserved, so it's just interesting to hear her thoughts. Yes, you're right, and I think um, that's what I love to to do with audio is to draw people out and to um, help them tell their story Um, Mm. and and I think that's the incredible thing about the medium of podcasts that it's democratized storytelling across the globe it's made it accessible to everybody and I think that is so exciting and it's so it means actually that more people out there are willing to tell their story because it's it's so much more in our public consciousness that that is a genuine beautiful thing that you can help you know fellow human beings to do is to tell their story and share their passion and share their joy for something 
thank you so much to Lucy for coming on the podcast and being my very first guest. I just loved talking to Lucy about the way she approaches her photography and how she just tries to recreate the feeling of that moment. Um, I just love that about her work and I love how it is so fun and playful. And I really enjoyed talking about storytelling as well and how uh, you can tell a story in a photo and different ways photos can be interpreted. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed the conversation as well. If you want to check out Lucy's work, you can check out her website, which is lucycooperphotography.myportfolio.com. Uh, and she is Lucy Cooper Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Her audio output is recuperate.com, which is R E C O O P E R number eight.com. And her podcast is called Burst Mode, and you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and can't wait to see you next time.